0: All right, Warren R. Schmidt. He's a 66-year-old man from Omaha, Nebraska. He just retired, as you just watched, from Woodman of the World Insurance as an actuary, a long, successful career. You'd think that Warren was excited about retirement. You can see by that clip. I, I don't think he's all that excited. <laughs> he, uh, this, this movie actually cracks me up. It, to me, it's it's similar to Napoleon Dynamite in the in the perfection of. Uh, just subtle humor. And so this, this old man, he, uh, he retires and he should be happy and he's not. And he's, he's driving off. Uh, after this clip, he's at his retirement party and his best friend stands up to give him a, a, a toast. And then the speech uh, kind of shapes the whole movie. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this speech to you. And I'm paraphrasing in parts just to clean it up. Okay. He says, I know something about retirement. All those gifts over there don't mean a dang thing. This dinner doesn't mean a dang thing. Social Security and pension don't mean a dang thing. You can see where I'm paraphrasing. What means something, what really means something, is the knowledge that you devoted your life to something meaningful, productive, raising a fine family, building a fine home, being respected by your community, having wonderful, lasting friendships. If at the end of a career, a man can look back and say, I did it, I did my job, then he can retire in glory and in riches far beyond the monetary kind. Take a look at a very rich man. That doesn't look like a rich man to me, right? This is, uh, this is funny and ironic because Warren appears to be successful to everybody around him, He appears to be proud. He appears to be happy to everyone. Although it's obvious from the beginning that he's not really happy at all. Warren represents nearly everybody in this world. We go through life trying to uh, achieve what society tells us is important. A career, a family, a home, friendships, and wealth. And when you have those five things, you should be very, very rich in life. And you should be very, very happy. But as we find out with Warren, it's not true. There's something missing. First day of retirement, he wakes up at seven o'clock in the morning, which leads me to assume that this is the exact same time that he woke up every day for work. He gets up and starts walking around and ends up sitting in front of the television. And as he's flipping through the channels, he gets stuck on a, on a certain station where there's a commercial for child reach. Child reach is a, is a program for impoverished children around the world. And for $22 a month, you get to feed a kid and, uh, help him or her, uh, with medical needs and food needs and, uh, things like that. So Warren feeling the urge to, to get involved and he's, he's, uh, he's lured in by this commercial. He picks up the telephone and he's finally, uh, willing to do something else for somebody else besides himself. A little bit later, Warren gets the packet from child reach and, uh, in front of him is a name, Indugu Umbo, of a six-year-old little boy from Tanzania. And so, uh, watch this.
1: Dear Indugu, my name is Warren R. Schmidt, and I am your new foster father. I live in Omaha, Nebraska. My older brother, Harry, lives in Roanoke, Virginia with his wife, Estelle. Harry lost a leg two years ago to diabetes. I am 66 years old and recently retired as assistant vice president and actuary at Woodman of the World Insurance Company. 66 must sound pretty old to a young fella like yourself. The truth is, it sounds pretty old to me too. Because when I look in the mirror and see the wrinkles around my eyes and the sagging skin on my neck and the hair in my ears and the veins on my ankles, I I can't believe it's really me. When I was a kid, I used to think that maybe I was special, that Somehow destiny had tapped me to be a great man. Not like Henry Ford or Walt Disney or somebody like that, but somebody, you know, semi-important. I got a degree in business and statistics and was planning to start my own business someday, build it up into a big corporation, watch it go public, you know, maybe make the Fortune 500. I was going to be one of those guys you read about. But somehow, it just didn't work out that way. Uh, you've got to remember, I had a top-notch job at Woodman and a family to support. I, I couldn't exactly put their security at risk. Helen, uh, that's my wife. She wouldn't have allowed it. But what about my family, you might ask, uh, What about my wife and daughter? Don't they give me all the pride and satisfaction I could ever want? Helen and I have been married 42 years. Lately, every night, I find myself asking the same question. Who is this old woman who lives in my house? Why is it that every Little things she does irritates me. like the way she gets the keys out of her purse long before we reach the car and how she throws our money away on her ridiculous little collections. And tossing out perfectly good food just because the expiration date has passed and her obsession, her obsession with trying new restaurants. Seafood Buffet. And the way she cuts me off when I try to speak. And she goes ahead and seats the people came in behind us. Which normally now, I wouldn't mind at all. And I hate the way she sits. And the way she smells. For years now, she has insisted that I sit when I urinate. My promise to lift the seat and wipe the rim and put the seat back down wasn't good enough for her. No. then there's jeannie she's our only i'll bet she like you she gets a big kick out of different languages and cultures and so forth she used to get by pretty good in german she'll always be my little girl she lives out in denver so we don't get to see her much anymore oh sure we stay in touch by phone every couple of weeks and. She comes out for the holidays sometimes, but not as often as we'd like. She has a position of some responsibility out there with a high-tech computer outfit, so it's very hard for her to break away. Recently, uh, she got engaged, so I... I suppose we'll be seeing even less of her now. The fellow's name is Randall Herzl. He's got a sales job of some sort. Uh, Maybe Jeannie is a little past her prime, but I still think she could have done a heck of a lot better. What are you guys doing? I mean, this guy's just not up to snuff, if you ask me. I mean, not for my little girl. I'll close now and get this in the mail. Here I am rambling on and on and you probably want to hurry on down cash that check and get yourself something to eat so uh take it easy and best of luck with all your endeavors yours very truly
0: warren schmidt this movie cracks me up and of course jack nicholson's voice yeah dare in yes just makes it uh This guy cracks me up. He sits there and writes these inappropriate letters to Ndugu about his brother losing a leg to diabetes and things like that. He's basically coming clean to Ndugu about how unhappy in life he is. And let's look at Warren for a minute. He has a nice home, brand new 35-foot RV. He's retired, appears to, to have a decent amount of money. He has a daughter who has a college education and that he loves very, very much. He has everything in the world that you should want. But as life progresses from this point, we realize that he's been living for himself this whole time. After Warren writes the letter, he goes to the post office and uh, drops the, the letter off, comes back, and he finds his wife of 42 years, Helen, uh, on the floor in the kitchen, and uh, she's, she's passed away with a, a blood clot in her, in her brain. And this is where the movie really starts to begin and things start to unravel for Warren. And he realizes that he's a broken, very broken man. Let's, uh, in need of a savior. Let's play this other clip.
1: Dear ndugoo I hope you're sitting down because I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Since I last wrote to you, my wife Helen, your foster mother, passed away very suddenly from a blood clot in her brain. It occurred to me that in my last letter, I I might have misspoken and used some negative language in reference to my late wife. But you have to understand that I was under a lot of pressure following my retirement. I'm not going to lie to you and Dugu. It's been a rough few weeks. And I've been pretty, you know broken up from time to time. I miss her. I miss my Helen. I guess I just didn't know how lucky I was to have a wife like Helen until she was gone. Remember that, young To appreciate what you have while you still have it.
0: Some of us are like Warren Schmidt, and we've been living our whole life under false pretenses. We automatically thought it was God's will to have the Golden Five the career, the family, the home, the friendships, the wealth. But is it God's will to have the Golden Five? Is it really? Is it God's will to have those five things? Don't get me wrong, I I like the golden five. The golden five are great. I really like the golden five. Probably like you. I just know that the golden five isn't where it's at. And God never promised us the golden five. In fact, the Bible says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And Warren's figuring that out in this movie. So let's look at what Jesus has to say. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 give you a second to, to turn there. Matt, uh, Jesus is addressing his followers, and he's addressing them about righteousness and the way that they're living their personal lives. Verse 19 says, "Do not lay up for yourselves on earth where moth and rust I'm sorry, yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth." nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. Warren is a lot like us and he's been adding treasure here on earth. We're living our lives for the golden five and we're missing out on the eternal consequences. Warren is sad and lost in life because his treasures are getting moth holes and they're, they're starting to rust. His life the life that he imagined for himself is is being stolen from him and he's feeling empty inside. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to to, uh, setting up these goals in your life apart from God? Maybe the circumstances of your childhood upbringing caused you to set a goal of getting a college degree. Maybe it was to have children by a certain age. Maybe it was to be married by a certain age probably children for this church because y'all have a lot of kids. But you you wanted these things so bad that maybe you convinced yourself that that's what God's will was. You, uh, you You just made these things such a part of you that you never even consulted God on whether His will was for you to do these things. Why are we making decisions in life apart from God? Let's keep reading. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That's darkness. If then the light is in, if the light? If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye is similar to the heart in Jewish literature. And the lamp is the quality of a person's inner life. When he refers to the eye being healthy, healthy suggests loyal devotion to God. So when Jesus is saying, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, he's saying where your treasure is determines your devotion to God. Where is your treasure? Is it like Warren? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word serve literally means to be a slave. And the word master literally means absolute ownership. Jesus was saying materialism cannot be the absolute owner of your life and make you a slave to it. And at the same time, you serve God and make him Lord of your life. It just doesn't happen that way. It's impossible. Three words describe the owner-slave relationship Uh, that Jesus gives us. And the first one that's on your listening guide is choice. Throughout all of this, you have a choice. You have the choice whether you're going to be a slave to the world and materialism or be a slave to God. But I can tell you one thing, you're not going to be a slave to both. It won't happen. Number two is control. Jesus is teaching us in this verse that we have to choose whom we'll be a slave to. Our choice will have Absolute ownership over us and we'll have control over our lives. The choice we make Is what will be controlling our lives So the third one is confidence He tells us that the that once we make that choice and the owner has control over our life We'll place all of our confidence and our trust and our dependence in that one choice so three things choice you, god's given you that choice and once you make that choice it's going to have control over your life, and you're going to have confidence in it. If you don't have confidence that you're actually a slave to God, you've probably made the wrong choice. So how can we tell if maybe we're kind of off kilter in our choices? Let's let's look at two different things. The first one is uh, your calendar. Uh, the time that you spent. What do you do with your time? And I'm not talking about um, your your time at work, you know, Well, I work, 40 hours a week. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about maybe the time off of work, your spare time, your, your two weeks of vacation, your, when you get off work, um, your, your days off. What do you do with that time? What are you doing with your spare time? Is, it, is that spare time for you or is that spare time for God? That kind of tells you, right? Does your spare time make it plainly obvious that Christ is supremely valuable in your life? Is it obvious if I were to watch you, if I had a video camera on you the whole time, is it, is it obvious that Christ is supremely valuable? The second one is checkbook. And I kind of laugh at the word checkbook because it's, it's kind of a, an outdated word. If you, uh, if you still use a checkbook, that's fine. Uh, you're probably the last generation to actually use a checkbook. And I venture to say that you'll probably won't be using the checkbook for very much longer. So just bear with me for the word checkbook. If I were to audit your checkbook, Would it be plainly obvious that Christ is supremely valuable? Because looking at your checkbook, looking at how you spend your money, is going to say whether God is is that person in your life that you're a slave to. Warren goes through the whole movie miserable. And he realizes that he spent his whole life living for himself until the last minute of the movie. So watch this.
1: I know we're all pretty small in the big scheme of things. And I suppose the most you can hope for is to make some kind of difference. But what kind of difference have I made? What in the world is better because of me? When I was out in Denver, I tried to do the right thing, tried to convince Jeannie she was making a big mistake, but I failed. Now she's married to that nincompoop and there's nothing I can do about it. I am weak and I am a failure. There's just no getting around it. Relatively soon, I will die. Maybe in 20 years, maybe tomorrow doesn't matter. Once I am dead, and everyone who knew me dies, too, it will be as though I never even existed. What difference has my life made to anyone? None that I can think of. None at all. Hope things are fine with you. Yours truly. Warren Schmidt.
2: Dear Mr. Warren Schmidt, my name is Sister Nadine Gautier of the Order of the Sisters of the Sacred Heart. I work in a small village near the town of Mbeya in Tanzania. One of the children I care for is little Ndougou Umbo, the boy you sponsor. Ndougou is a very intelligent boy and very loving. He is an orphan. Recently, he needed medical attention for an infection of the eye, but he's better now. He loves to eat melon and he loves to paint. And Dugu and I want you to know that he receives all of your letters. He hopes that you are happy in your life and healthy. He thinks of you every day and he wants very much your happiness. And Dugu is only six years old and cannot read or write. But he has made for you a painting. He hopes that you will like his painting. Yours sincerely. Sister Nadine Gauthier.
0: Warren spends the whole movie trying to figure out one thing. Trying to get away from his life. And he finally realizes at the end of the movie that he actually did make a difference in someone else's life. You finally learned that life lesson. I want to uh, to, uh while I still have you emotionally attached to warren 's life and that sad moment uh, that if you watched the movie, you'd cry, you wouldn't be sitting there with dry eyes i wasn't uh, I cried yeah the, the crying part gets me every time uh, but if you i want to I want to pitch something to you it 's called Compassion International, and compassion international is a is a real organization. Uh, not like uh, Child Reach. Uh, It's it's similar to the the commercials we used to watch with Sally Struthers in the 80s and 90s. But Compassion International is a program that also works with impoverished children around the world. But the the best part about Compassion International is it takes the children and it puts them in children. I mean, it puts them, I'm sorry, puts them in church to where they can, uh, where they, they learn about Jesus and they get to know Jesus through Compassion International, and that's the best part, is these kids grow up to to know Jesus. Our youth group, we decided to sponsor a few years ago at, at camp, uh, Compassion International, we, we decided to sponsor a little girl named uh, Sarah Bajit. And she was from India, and we supported her for a little while. But every time we go to camp, Compassion International is there. And when uh, the pastoral staff goes to conventions, Compassion International is there. So several of us, and maybe you're a, a parent of, of one of one of the youth that asked for permission to sponsor a child. And that's because they got to meet a, a, a guy named Kevin. No, I keep saying that. It's David. I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Kevin. David is from Kenya. And he uh, told us his story about having uh, his mom having five kids. Don't know where his dad is. He might have died. I don't remember. But he lived in a, a shed, 10 by 10, with five kids and a mom. And they had one bed. And he had to eat out of dumpsters to eat. And a lot of times he didn't get to eat. And then Compassion International came in and fed him and gave him clothes and taught him about Jesus. And now he's in the U.S. finishing his degree. So uh, that's, that's David. I want to tell you about, uh, about a kid that I am decided to sponsor when I got back from camp this year. And uh, his name is Rolson Silas. And the best part about Rolson is that he, you know what, I'll tell you what. Let's watch this video first, and then we'll talk about Rolson. How's that? Play this video real quick. This is a, of a guy named
3: Jimmy. So, Jimmy, your mother goes away just to try to find help. So now your father and your mother are not in the picture. Your situation is still very, very dire. But at the age of eight, something dramatic happened in your life. Share that with us.
4: That was the April of 1990, and my mother came back. And that night she said to me, Jimmy, God loves you so much. I found some help somewhere, and tonight we shall be traveling 220 miles away from here, in the direction of that hope. I remember when she came with new clothes for me, and as she was giving me a bath, she sobbed, looking at how the poor health had ravaged my health. And so we got to this train, and for 12 hours we drove, in the direction of that hope and by the morning we were at this compassion project in partnership with the local baptist church and that's why I got registered as a little boy and four months later I received a letter and please allow me to read it to you because this defined the rest of my life that who I am today this letter is 19 years old and says hello Jimmy my name is Mark and I'm 20 years old. I'm glad to have the opportunity to have a friend in Kenya. I don't know anyone outside of Canada. The reason I'm writing to you is because of a really important friend we have. You see, when I was younger, I didn't really know about Jesus, who he was. But last year, some people taught me about a great friend named Jesus. My life has changed. I really love this world and the people within it all because of God's love for me and you and everyone so even though you are halfway through the world I know that God loves you and cares for you He mapped my old vision for life He mapped my old vision for life in these few words because from then my life is a different life I'm at Moody Bible Institute right now Studying the Bible, to go back to Kenya, to go back to Kenya and stand in the gap in the same way Mark Hells from Canada stood in the gap for me. My mother died six years later after the sponsorship. It is the same time I got saved and knew what my sponsor meant when he said he's a real good friend in Jesus Christ right now i'm sponsoring a kid in haiti she's four years old that's the time that i was intervened at and i think that's the time that i need to intervene to a child and change the whole course of their life i am so grateful that compassion and through the ministry that they have across the world has changed my life and who i am i'm ready to stand in the gap for many others who just need somebody to stand in the gap for them
3: isn't that great Here's a young man whose life was changed by the love of Christ being put in action through a young 20 year old and now he's standing in the gap and helping others. One question. Have you ever talked to your sponsor? No. You have not? No. Well, would you like to meet him right now? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mark Hales, Jimmy's sponsor. I'm going to, you guys all right? I'm going to try to talk. Jimmy is so touched right now. Mark, let's let's just turn this way real quick, guys. Mark, first of all, thanks for coming. And and, and Mark, I have to ask you right now, all these years of supporting Jimmy, what does this moment mean to you?
0: I am
1: absolutely in awe of God and of this fellow right here and what he has gone through.
0: I love this video. Yeah, I love this video because you can see the impact that Mark made in Jimmy's life. Uh, I was there. Doug, were you there at that point? Yeah, Now we were there uh, at this Catalyst Conference when this happened. And it it changed my life to see what an impact uh, Mark had on Jimmy. And because of that, I wanted to, to kind of set it up to where I could be Doing the same thing. So I could be like Warren. So I could be like Mark here and do the same thing. So uh, Amanda and I have adopted a little boy. or We're sponsoring a little boy named Rolson Silas. And the cool thing about Rolson is I went online and I got to pick where he's from. And uh, Rolson lives in a town called Gressier. And Gressier is uh, the town where we went to church last year in Haiti. And so in August... I'm going to get to go and I'm going to get to meet Rolson. And he's four years old, so he, you know, doesn't, hasn't developed life yet the way that, that Jimmy Wambua has. But I, I pray that, that I'll get to make a difference in somebody else's life because it's not about me. I know we're, we've run out of time, but I want to encourage you all to, uh, to look into something like this. And if you'd like to know more about Compassion International, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Uh, Several of us in the church are actually sponsoring kids through Compassion International. But the one thing I want to leave you with, I want to encourage you to read Philippians chapter 3, the whole chapter. And I want to see if you can relate to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 when he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul saying nothing in this world is, is more valuable than knowing Christ Jesus. He counts everything as rubbish. And when you actually translate the word rubbish, it's not rubbish. It is literally the cuss word that you would use for dung. That's how lowly he's saying these things are. He's, he's saying that he considers his, his career as dung, his family as dung. He considers his home as dung, his friendship, his money, his clothing, his food as dung. Nothing is great as the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And you have, a, you have the chance to make a difference in someone else's life. This movie never lets on that Warren ever came to know Jesus. But let's just imagine for a second that child reach is compassion international. Warren led somebody to Jesus. He led Ndugu to Jesus through Compassion International, through Child Reach. And you have that ability too.